Hey, this is Rob Bass. Pour yourself a drink. Take off your pants. It's time for GeekCast Live. It's a trap! Everybody and welcome to Humphrey episode three forty, season eight of the Geekcast Live podcast. I am your host GCR, and with me, as always, Rob Base. It's Nico and Cartoon Writers of Rohash. It is season eight. Everybody, welcome back to the Geekcast Fuck. Live podcast. Yeah, it is. Um. <laughs> It has seen. It seems like. Is there any? Is has anything just a, happened? Just a normal, normal year. Normal people. I don't know about you, but I, I'm pretty sure we've all been frozen in carbonite for like three <laughs> months. Only. For eternities. The good know. news is, every half hour I check the clock, and it's only been ten minutes. If only I could be <laughs> dethawed and not see. That would be so outstanding. In an attempt to 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 clarify what has happened uh, to us and to the world since we Don't have bother. been frozen in carbonite, I have brought a guest tonight for the first half of the show, an esteemed oh. gentleman, an esteemed Ooh. world traveler, someone man who I believe levity. is going to free us from ourselves. Our good friend, international okay, man of the world. Chris Dalby. I have traveled the seven seas and I keep getting pulled back like a sailor tossed on the waves like a lost mariner to the island of despair that is keep cast live. Why? Why do you keep forcing me back here, Ryan? What do I need to do to be free of you more forever? We're, we're, sort of I a, think you need uh, to... we're sort of a social riptide kind of deal. Mm-hmm. So Social riptide. If you sing a sea shanty backwards, we'll go away for a while. That's what we've actually been doing every Wednesday on the hour. We've been singing our favorite sea shanty backwards mm-hmm. and spilling the blood of some sort of fowl. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we're like a we're like a siren. Does, does does Rob Bass uh, know any sea shanties? Uh, I know "Where Is Me Grog" by the Dubliners, which I don't think classifies itself as a sh- sea shanty, but. It's no, close. but it's okay. It's a pub tune. A pub tune? Pub tune. 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 No, a tune is a friend. A tune. A tune is a music. That's is where it... you spit your chaw, right? Mm. No, that's is a it... charm. <laughs> are you just are you just Rick and Mortying things now? Mm-hmm. No, that's Ready Player no? Two. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Uh, one thing we're doing for for season actually I'm not even going to do that yet. We we have to recap what has happened since we last signed off in like a daily show esque, like a Kafka esque, Kafka um, um rehashing of what happened the last three. Weeks. Like a 24 hour broadcast of just a list of other things that happened. But but we're let's do it kind of like we're playing that game Taboo. We cannot say um, insurrection. Okay. 
Sedition. Neither can Chuck okay. Schumer. We cannot say Trump. Okay. And we cannot what say. What kind of fun is this? And we cannot say Kimberly no. Guilfoyle's huge gash. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, Kia sponsored New Year, Proud Boy Revolt, and I'm done. Hatchet wound. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, ICP being unsung heroes out of nowhere, apparently. Uh, of Christianity. Yeah. Of Christianity. That's true. Stalwarts of Christianity. <laughs> they, they are stalwarts of Christianity. Old. Which we didn't know. I didn't even know that, which is shocking. And you're a that's, fucking that's juggalo. Irony. <laughs> I know. That is the irony of all ironies of this transition. Yeah, I would agree with that. The I would have thought Joe didn't recognize the innate Christian stalwartery of. ICP well, I picked friends. up on some of the themes, but like, nope, nope, I was a nope, sixth grader nope. when I was particularly into them. <laughs> I was a sixth grader when I was particularly into, insert here, Kimberly Foyle's huge gash. There you go. <laughs> nice. I'm just going to go with Kim <laughs> Foyle's huge gash as a show title. Oh, no, the sixth grader when I Don when, Jr. When we, get, when we get into Ready Player Two and the, and the quotes that I have found for you guys, you will oh, have so excited. Of options for your show. Well, okay, so it, we, we, we brought up, we decided we're going to bring back do reviews, which I don't know if you remember. We, we stopped doing them, I think, season five, maybe. Season six? No. Season six, I don't remember. Was it seven Look, we stopped doing it? Time was, was, was a hell of a year. One. We didn't do one at all last year. We did not, yeah. Drugs so are a hell of a drug. And the concept is, of course, if, you, if this is your first episode of Geekcast of Live, mm-hmm. we uh, let's not let that just float on by. I no, wrote it down as a as a I show title. Said what drugs, I said what I said. What I meant. Drugs are a hell of a drug. Drugs are a hell of a drug. Yeah, one hundred percent. What? But we're gonna start doing do reviews again. Shanty, so right there. I picked. I picked this week's do review, and uh, so let's just let's get into that and get that out of the way. Is is this a do review? It is? Oh, fantastic. Okay, so I decided that what we would talk about specifically is this the the children of TikTok have found sea shanties. It's and also a book that needs to be written. Sorry, continue. I, I personally am in love with it. You would be. It has spawned a wreath of this genre. All the way yeah. to the point now where Nickelback is thinking about rehashing and re-releasing their most popular songs in shanty format. Which is going to make them so much better if Rockstar is... It's going to make them so much better and so much money. Yeah. It, would make them, it would make them a fuck ton of money. <laughs> and I am, I am totally... After the year we had, I have no problem with a community of songs that encourage us to work together. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know That's what I'm about? I could I could yeah. disagree more, but it's not shocking to anybody. <laughs> no, I so Nick only likes songs about individualism. I rugged so individualism. He's really into, into uh, the realm of uh, being the the low key uh, voice of community this year. I was going to be a peaceful mediator, uh, a, a, a soothing wave to to kind of dull the. Uh, the rage that I expected to be cartoon Joe 2021. And you've given me no choice, no choice, but regression <laughs> to the mean of being that guy. And uh, I'm not real happy about it. 
<laughs> well, listen, I, I didn't set out to pick the correct lure to catch angsty Nick. I well, didn't. you got him. You, I know. You got him I know. There. I it's accidentally. Through my, it's through my lip, jowl, and. <laughs> <laughs> let's 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 be fair let's, though. Let's, let's take about twenty five percent off of their chai tachki. Yeah. Let's oh, call okay. a spade a spade though, Nick. It's not as if angsty Nick is the fish of ten thousand casts. Okay, you could fall into the ocean and no, fucking drown I, I, in fish. I I do the old ooh piece of candy. You, you <laughs> yes, me. yes. I you're, you're the James Woods of fish. Well. Somebody had to be. Oh, man, don't yes. do that to fish. <laughs> <laughs> so are so are we are we I'm going to put in the show notes uh, a link to a good YouTube video of of uh, some shanty talk. No, hang on, hang on, hang on here. To start yeah, with, get them since dolls. when are any of you an authority on real sea shanties? Because I, I mean, if not t- claiming if t- to be. Hang on, dude, hang on, because if TikTok <laughs> girls have found sea shanties, the fact that you found sea shanties through the TikTok girls is is like the podcast no, equivalent no, no, of, that, no. of that cultural travesty. Now, well, now I played now, Assassin's now Creed I once. Ally, I have to ally <laughs> Dolby? Fuck you, Ryan. I put, I put <laughs> 70 hours into Assassin's Creed Black Flag. Yeah, that counts. I, I'm going to ask that's... a simple question. What does Stan Rogers mean to any of you? Uh, that's a very white name. A very competitive insurance rate. The father of Captain America. <laughs> I, 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 I give up. I give up. Oh, the, the, the man, the, the Canadian master of sea shanties who, if you go to Halifax, Nova Scotia, and you walk into a bar and you start singing Barrett Privateers, then the, the no, whole bar will, will sing with you in an elevated form of culture. But no, uh, there's been no research done here. Spit a verse from Privateers for me, if you would. Um, Hold on, I'm you on the spot here. <laughs> you are. <laughs> Hang on, I'm trying to remember the tune. Um, I will, if to, to take, to redirect the hate here, I'll gladly step in front of this slow moving cart and say that I know what a sea shanty is. I understand their historical roots. Uh-huh. And uh, I am by no means any sort of expert. Mm-hmm. And I detest that it uh, is a lost art that has only come to life via. Thirsty folks on a shitbag app. Well, we don't that's, fucking that's sail different. anymore, Nick. So, I mean, we we're not right. we're not out fucking whaling. So we don't have to fucking sing songs to keep our guys in lockstep with hoisting the mainsail. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's it's, it's not it's, because of what it even is. Though, even though I'm really it's sorry, Ryan. One goal that's brought it back to life. So I'm you just don't like the fact that it was done on uh on like a social media platform. You just I, don't like I, the fact I, it was done on TikTok. So would it, would it have been better if they were just no. in a subway somewhere? Like, no, like if they were just like at the mall and some dude by the right. Sabaro was fucking singing the fucking theme song yeah, SpongeBob and then yeah. everybody else joined okay, in. Okay, no, now, now I have to step in. Rob, I will get back to you in a second. Please. Four-part SpongeBob Ryan, harmony. The fact that Ryan yeah. Elliott is having a go at people for objecting Sabaro's to being in lobster as they hoist the mainsail when that is exactly <laughs> what he has done to the three of you for the last eight seasons? 
Second of all, Rob Bates, <laughs> I mean, it's... them all. I was told we'd cruise the seas for American gold. We'd oh, I know this guns, shed no tears. Jeez. But I'm a broken man on a Halifax pier, the last of Barrett's privateers. This is beautiful. So, I love it. Third, Thank you. Third of all, I'm, it's not. I'm it's honored. not just about. It's not just about you know hearkening back to the to the tough uh, uh, work conditions on 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 whaling ships or, or pirate ships. It's about a time of adventure. It's about a time of isolation. The reason about nineteen seventy six, the bicentennial. Well, that's when Stan Rogers wrote it. The reason that the Wellerman is a cult, is culturally relevant now and was chosen on TikTok is because it's about a community in isolation in Australia or the South Pacific that can only get you know news of the world and rum and sugar from occasional visit, visits from whaling vessels, and because of social distancing, because of COVID, where we feel alone, where we feel isolated, that that feeling of of isolation and of and of waiting for human contact again is what brought Wellerman back. Bang. I didn't look that deep into it at all, but that's actually a very, very astute observation. I like that a lot. I like the fact that TikTok allows you to layer yourself onto somebody else's TikTok, which is the creating the, the Wellerman video that went popular. And it's bringing it's, it's 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 I think it's really catchy. And then you got the guy who took all of it and remixed it into some fucking. EDM style yeah. fucking yes exactly I mean, it, was, it was like a house style but like yeah. shanty house I was half right cool. shanty house yeah I'm proud of my half rightness it is cool Nick you fuck <laughs> I hope that somebody takes this discussion about shanties and remixes it into a thing and it goes fucking viral and then we get some sort of like knock on the door saying we're going to give you guys a record deal and then you have to abstain because you couldn't possibly become famous or make any money whatsoever on something dumb from the internet i'll stick to my guns you can send me my <laughs> royalty share but i mean <laughs> i don't know <laughs> anyway that's uh, our very first do review of season you know what? eight the, the problem with it all is it's not it's not the thought behind it it's not the the first guy that decided I'm I'm feeling passionate about this and I have done some research. So I'm just going to do this for fun. It's is it Scott's shady? I probably I have no idea what that is, but it sounds. I was just making fun stuff. of the fact that that guy who sings looks a lot like Eminem. He does, <laughs> and and I I hate the fact Scott's that shady. It, it, it hmm. society overcompensates so fucking hard. And it's so thirsty that in a in a very short window of time, something good or pure or creative or even interesting is oversaturated, befouled, boring, and and just it, it goes would... it goes from good to fucking played out and useless so fast. You're probably I, right. And that applies to so that. many things. But it does. It does. on the it other does. hand, it's, about it's got an entire generation of kids and Millennials, adults, people who actually utilize the Ooh. internet to like some degree of social interactives, right? Uh, to look credit. into, to be inspired by, and to try and participate in music that otherwise wouldn't be circulating around, like art that would no longer be circulating around, other than like 
the handful of guys that hang out at the Rin Fair or the people who are regulars, the fucking Irish pub who know three fucking Danny boys and like one other song. So the very small community of 5,000 YouTubers who came together to sing in 5,000 part harmony, that one song. Right. Or an entire generation of people who every day came home from school and listened to the theme song to SpongeBob SquarePants. Yes. Which is nothing more than a shanty. You know what? I'm going to begrudgingly. I mean, it is. I don't, I don't disagree. Don't I'm just trying to away it, on it's, it's, it's call and response, man. Bob, I'm just trying to figure out. Under the sea. SpongeBob SquarePants. It's it's the shame. I'm just I'm trying to figure out what coked out forefront conversation is probably the best part about this whole misguided adventure. Oh yeah, that's anyway. That's how do reviews are going to work in season eight. They're just going to be chaos for like five (laughs) ten minutes. That's what you guys didn't realize. We're gonna fucking chaos. We're always going to have Dolby on to set us straight about the history of things (laughs) with seriousness (laughs) and poise. Well, the rest well, of us, uh, like diuretic cats. Was there more to that thought? No, see, I, I disagree. I think there are three diuretic cats, but Nick Cordero elevates himself above you, both physically because of his towering height. Oh, God. Uh, he's, he's Get your grotesque, tongue out of his asshole, Dolby. Grote- hang on a second. Grotesque, like deformed proboscis. Uh, and, and, you know, j- and at least attempts to use multisyllabic words. So I think he would be perhaps a diuretic badger. <laughs> and that's we're your time we're, we're 20 minutes in and we've got a proboscis sighting anyway back to the show yeah so chris talk to us about ready player two okay have you all read well how many of you have read ready player one one of us i think i have read ready player one and i've seen the movie nick i believe you've read ready player one at least probably but not seen the movie or both hold on who's nick is there another nick here no you're nick you think i read ready player one i would have thought i would have thought you would have i mean it catered to people of your generation nostalgically if i'm to understand the contents of the story correctly isn't it where like they like you i can't even talk uh it's the cyberpunk story where you can yeah virtual reality into some place where i would have thought for sure i I had never i had never even heard of it until the movie came out and okay awful so i i have no knowledge okay interest in it ready player one had it, it was not a well-written book um it was it was it came out in 2011 and it was catering to that wave of the, you know, that peak nostalgia that was that was really cresting around then and it had yes it was stupid because it was a post-apocalyptic future where kids Hid, you know, or, or, or hid. Everybody hid from the world in a in a very advanced, you know, virtual reality internet called the Oasis. And the founder of the Oasis, James Halliday, dies. And as he dies, says, um, "I have hidden seven clues around the Oasis, and whoever finds them um, will become the the owner of the Oasis." Right? And yes, like James Halliday in the world is this 
like his his avatar is called Anorak. Like he hid away from the world, made trillions of dollars, and spent his life, you know, a fan of nineteen eighties, nineteen seventies pop culture of all kinds, right? Sci-fi, fantasy, music, whatever. And so in the book, it was actually quite cool because it's not well written, but all these players who were hunting for these clues had to deep dive into the media that Halliday loved to, to find out the clues, right? That was the, that was the entire point. Mm-hmm. In- so incredibly was- cool premise. Yeah, no, incredibly very cool premise. Executed averagely, but like... Okay, the, the the problem with Ready Player One is it combined really cool nostalgia deep dives with constant barrage of pointless um, references, which yes. nobody like nobody talks that way. But it's like, bludgeoning. Like, it's it's bludgeoning. And then, but but at least like it, there was consistency in. Okay, you could see like how the clues are connected. You could say, okay, so James Halliday like that. For clue number one, you could totally see how he liked that for clue number two. And then and then at the end there's a big battle with everybody throwing, you know, every reference that it can at you, which is like it's it's like taking LSD, but it's but it's it's fun. And the movie was average. I didn't love the movie, but again, it was it was fun for a one-off thing. So it was a movie like, no one was clamoring for. It's a movie no, no one's calling for. Well, not especially since they they took I mean, my big problem with it is that they took the same concept, but then all the references that you liked from Ready Player One, because at the time you read Ready Player One, it actually was uh, nostalgic. They took and updated all of those references for a modern audience, and it like completely missed, it missed the fucking whole mark for me. I mean, yeah, but the, the movie just sort of slammed the accelerator on more and more references, so they brought in characters from Fortnite, not from Fortnite, from uh, What's the the one the blizzard uh, the one that the Warcraft people made the shooter? Uh, shit. That's probably what it's oh, called. Fuck it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, you know, they <laughs> Overwatch. Overwatch. Thank you. They threw Mecha Godzilla in there, and then they threw King Kong in there. Okay, cool. But that was kind of fitting with the uh, throw every reference at the wall and see what sticks. Attitude of Ready Player One. At the end of Ready Player One, and you, you follow these part, but you follow this guy Wade Watts, uh, named literally because he sounds like a Marvel character, mm-hmm. and his avatar Parzival, and he's got like this this team of, of of friends online called the Low Five, not the High Five, the Low Five, um, who live in this post apocalyptic wasteland and who spend all their days trying to trying to find the the sharks. At the end, they are successful, and the five these five teenagers or young young adults become. The owner, one of them dies, or four of them become the owners of the most powerful corporation in the world. That is the end of the, the Ready Player One. It's like the, the ultimate power fantasy, right? These four kids find the shards, beat the bad guys, two of them fall in love, and they become billionaires, right? And they're going to fix the world. That's the end of Ready Player One. Huh, that's not how being a billionaire works. <laughs> ask uh, ask the Wall Street subreddit. Well, wait. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm pissed. I, I missed out on on GameStop. Me too. Um, Continue. Ready, Play, Ready Player Two 
takes that sort of perfect fairy tale ending of like, so you've got um, Parzival and Artemis are the two main characters, right? And they're in love at the end of Ready Player One. And then they have two other friends who are part of this, the, the, the group who controls the movie. So at the end of Ready Player One, they're billionaires, they own the cup, they own the corporation and, uh, you know, every, and, and, and they limit, they, they limit the number of hours that people can go on the Oasis at a time so that people can enjoy the real world as well, right? Okay, cool. Ready Player Two spends the first 50 pages literally making you hate the main character because he's now a trillionaire douchebag. Shocker. Um, <laughs> and it's not only like, okay, every sequel will, will do a little bit of plot forcing to get the characters where they want to be for the sequel, but I've never seen it done in such a like instant way. So it's Ready Player Two starts a year after um, what? a new piece of technology that was invented the whole time, but they'd had no idea about it emerges where it's like a new, it's like a play. <laughs> I read a review that called it the PlayStation move. It's like, it's this new piece of technology you put on your head and it gives you full sensation inside the Oasis, right? So full, like full touch, smell, uh, sight. Like you, it's, it wasn't part of it before. It. No, before it was just VR, normal VR. Why? Um, okay. Yeah, sure. Now in the, in the second one, it's a full sense. You have sex and feel everything. You have every experience. And on top of that, uh, without any explanation about storage space or memory, you can now record huh. your memories and anyone can like be in your shoes for the memories you record. Um, while they released that, one the Artemis, the girl, doesn't want to do it. She's like, this is just going to fuck up the world even more. Everybody's going to go into the waste all the time. We can't release this. The other three release it. So she breaks up with, with uh, Watts. They hate each other. The four of them are, are separated. And then they spend another 50 pages telling you that this guy runs the biggest corporation in the world, yet never does any work, spends four, 12 to 14 hours a day in the Oasis just fucking around. Um, at the same time, uh, runs a major charity organization. At the same time, the f- the three of the of the four guys who are still friends feel that the world is is fucked, and so they've spent trillions of dollars building a spaceship to take in real life to take them away from Earth. Uh, and inside the spaceship is this advanced virtual reality. So they're just going to abandon the world. And I'm like, you, this, you hate this guy. He's meant to be the villain, right? Like, it's not possible right. to have a protagonist so utterly selfish. And layered into all this is um, a constant barrage of, um, of pop culture references. So th- I'm going to read you a couple of, of, of sections of. Fantastic. Why you hate this guy. So at one point he goes into the real world and my my estate's enormous garage contained four classic movie car replicas. I owned screen accurate replicas. This is taken from the book. I, I owned screen accurate replicas of Doc Brown's 1982 DeLorean DMC-12 time machine pre-hover con- conversion, the Ghostbusters 1959 Cadillac Ectomobile Ecto-1, the black 1982 Pontiac Firebird Trans Am Night Industries 2000 kit, and a replica of Dr. Buckaroo Banzai's jet car. This is like, that's the type of 
pop culture reference that is all over this book. It's real, it's, it's, real it's, deep cuts. No, not only real deep cuts. Just end like nobody talks like that. It's it's like if no, I made yeah. a Monty Python joke, and then Ryan goes, "Oh yes, I have also seen Monty Python and the Rail. What a wonderful movie that came out in the year of release." He goes on to say, uh, "My pet hobby was I I owned the rights to Back to the Future, Ghostbusters, Night Riders, and the Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai, and by paying hefty licensing fees to the estates of Christopher Lloyd, David Hasselhoff, Dan Aykroyd, and Bill Murray, I generated computer-generated actors, uh, and was making my long-standing fanboy dream an epic crossover films about Dr. Emmett Brown and Buckaroo Banzai teaming up with Night Industries to create a unique interdimensional time vehicle for the Ghostbusters." What's the this is kill me. Verbate him. Verbate him. He writes like a, he writes like a high schooler. Mm-hmm. He writes finishes. Like, well, no, he finishes his essay, his ten thousand word essay, and says, "Shit, it's only eighty nine hundred and four words." So instead, so I'm going to take instead of saying seventeen seventy six, I'm going to type out seventeen seventy one thousand seven hundred seventy six. Right, the year of our Lord. In, right, in the year of our Lord. Right. In the year of our Lord, comma anno domini, comma. <laughs> right. Right. So that's the, that's how he writes. Oh, for sure. It's, he it's writes like, like Earl Turner in the fucking Turner Diaries. At, at one point, the, there's an evil AI. Uh, I, I'll get into the fucked up rape plot, the well, sort of mental Whoa. rape. Plot. But there's, a, there's a, a, that got dark. A, a, James Halliday, so the, the creator of the Oasis, like has created this technology that automatically uploads clones of you, full virtual clones of you, to the Oasis that are sentient. And the, his clone, the clone of the, of the dead guy who invented the Oasis, goes evil. Right? Fine. That's evil AI plot. Sure. So he reveals himself to the to the the four heroes. And reveals that he's that he's trapped them all in the oasis, and they have to find all the new shards to be able to get out. And one of them goes, "Oh my God, he's gone Sonic exe on us." Hmm. You know what? Why I actually you? talk like that now. <laughs> I can't even be mad about that. <laughs> Fair point. Okay, so at least I'm okay. Do the puzzles hold up? That's the the main thing, right? The the, the puzzles in in uh, in Ready Player One were were mostly quite fun and quite you know good references. Do they hold up? The first puzzle, mm-hmm. um, and so I need to set up a little bit here. The the main like conflict at the heart of this is that the two guys who created the Oasis loved the same woman, and Halliday who died, was in love with the wife of Ogden, who's the other guy who created the Oasis, and her name was Kira. So Halliday, Kira, and Ogden were the three, like, founders of the Oasis. Okay. The clone of Halliday wants to live forever with a clone of Kira inside the Oasis. But to do that, he has to reconstitute the pieces of her AI and the seven shards that are the, the puzzles of Ready Player Two each have something to do with her personality and the things that she liked. So the puzzles in Ready Player One were about what Halliday liked and the puzzles in Ready Player Two about what Kira liked. Okay, cool. That. So the puzzles okay. in Ready Player Three will be about what Ogden liked. Exactly. Probably. Ogden dies yes. in Ready Player Two, but yeah, probably. Um, Ready Player Two, okay, the first one, the puzzle was, is, is really, like the, the puzzles are well constructed. But where in Ready Player One they work together to identify the puzzles, in Ready Player Two, Wade or Percival does can't figure it out. He can't figure out the puzzle. 
So he puts a message out to all the players, the billions of players in the world, and goes, I will give a billion dollars to the person who can solve the first puzzle. And then literally a player writes to him going, I have solved it. Please give me a billion dollars. And he goes and he talks to her and he gives her a billion dollars. And that's how he gets the first puzzle. Neat. I'll give a hundred million dollars to anyone who invents carbon capture technology. Exactly. Ladies and gentlemen, trees. <laughs> let's let's um, pause for a second for me to read to you the description of the avatar of the of the girl who gives him the first puzzle. Uh, her name Monk. is Logan. Oh wait, she only appeared as her Oasis avatar, Logan, which usually looked and sounded exactly like Helen Slater in The Legend of Billie Jean. A teenage girl with short blonde hair, piercing blue eyes, and a faint southern accent. But like Ranma Sawatome in Ranma One Half Anime, in the Ranma One Half manga, Lohengrin was also famous for changing her avatar's gender, unexpectedly and without warning. When she transformed into a male, she preferred the likeness of a young James Spader, especially his look from the 1985 film Tough Turf. Regardless of her gender, Lohengrin's public profile specified that her preferred gender pronouns were she and her. In her one-line user bio, she said she was a wild-eyed pistol waver who ain't afraid to die. What Great. the fuck? He yeah. writes like the old-timer with the screenplay in that Rick and Morty Purge Planet episode. Absolutely. Yes. Oh my god, that's spot on. It is yeah. perfect. I hadn't made that right. Oh my god, that is, he that does, is exactly he, like true. the like the lighthouse keeper in the first yeah. episode. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> do you want to read my screenplay? Um so doesn't know it. No, it's <laughs> it's and it and it just continues like that. It's it's Okay, so then then they go into um then there are a couple of cool puzzles. Like there's one puzzle about Princess Ninja Princess Ninja, like an old Sega game. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, uh, which is really cool. That was really like that. I enjoyed that's a that. deep cut. That's a deep, it's a deep cut, but like you understand why they do it, right? Sure. Then that randomly, and this is where I think, and I read a review that said this, not my analysis, but I think it's it's correct. In the Ready Player One movie, to make it more accessible, they added an entire world about The Shining in the movie, which was nothing to do with uh, the book. In the movie, nothing about The Shining. Ready Player One, the movie. There is a whole section about like they have to recreate scenes from The Shining uh, because Halliday loved The Shining. Okay, cool. In Ready Player Two, one of the planets on which they have to go and find one of the clues is because Kira loved Prince, the singer Prince. Cool. Okay. And in a reference to Scott Pilgrim, Mm -hmm. they have to fight seven versions of Prince, each dressed to a different era in his career. Okay. So there is Purple Rain Prince, Cloud Suit Prince, Get Off Prince, Bat Dance Prince, Microphone Prince, Third Eye Prince, and Mesh Mask Prince. Okay. And they literally fight them in a guitar off. You don't beat Prince during that, but continue. No, I am making it sound way cooler than it is. Because <laughs> it doesn't sound very cool. I'm going to, I'm going to get, go back to the book paragraph. Um, as we spoke, seven large glass cylinders rose up out of billowing red fog, forming a wide circle around us. Standing motionless inside each of them was a different incarnation of his royal badness. Each one had a different hairstyle and outfit, representing different phases of Prince's career. The seven princes emerged in unison, stepping forward into the arena. As they did so, the menacing opening guitar riff of the song When Doves Cry began to echo through the arena. 
They, last line, they glared down at us like seven angry Kryptonian gods intent on giving us a Smallville-style smackdown. All right, so this is – that's actually fantastic. I loved everything about that. <laughs> oh, I loved everything about it except the writing. Yeah, yeah. well, some of the writing even did it for me. Yeah, like, but you know what? You know why? Oh, you know why? Because it gives you – it gives you hope. Right. Exactly. It sets it up in such a way that I'm like, oh, this could be a really interesting scene. Like, well, it sets it up in a way that makes you say, I could write that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody could write that. Yeah. Write that. We can all write that. We can. In isolation, it's fun, but it's not actually. (laughs) This guy's making money on this. It puts the purple in prose. (laughs) How? Okay. So this this was written by Ernest Klein. How yes. much is this guy paying to anybody for using like? Uh, how much is he using paying like Paolini to ghostwrite this? I don't think right. he's. I don't think. I, I mean, I don't know the like probably because Prince especially and like the Prince estate are particularly uh, particular about who uses Prince's likeness, who uses Prince's music. Who uses anything in relation to the artist formerly known as Prince in any relation whatsoever? Oh, absolutely. So um, this guy just like shoehorning in a battle with the seven deadly princes, and and like and this is clearly not the only like direct referencing. Like this guy's making money off of literally just using all sorts of real people. Oh, and I feel like yeah. there are things that are illegal about that. I'm not well first in not like that knowledge, but I, I'm not I mean, a lawyer. If doing it in I'm not print, a lawyer. If doing it in print, maybe you get away with it. Maybe top, I maybe. guess because he, there's a whole thing like a subplot where they have to track, they they have to find the battle by following clues, which each of the clues is a different version of the prince symbol. You know, he had different versions of his symbol. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, was that? Did they? Did they actually? Did they have like, Dave print and print? utilize? They did. They printed and utilized the symbol. Yeah, that's amazing. Like I, I have to know if this guy's like what this guy is spending on royalties, royalties for for all sorts of shit because most you- of this stuff isn't public domain. Yeah, but I don't. I'm. I'm not sure. There must be a loophole somehow because no way Prince's estate would. Yeah, exactly. There's no way that people, like, or, or fucking James Spader is writing off his fucking, buck, like, whatever likeness from whatever shitty there, fucking thing. Is the, in the midst of what he's, uh, all, all this wordy writing, is there commentary on what's being said? No, no, no. So this is the thing. Uh, so just to, to address uh, the previous point, there's a, there's a whole planet about John Hughes movies. A whole planet about John Hughes movies. Ah. There's a whole planet about the Silmarillion. Which I'm I'm a Lord of the Rings mega fan. Mm-hmm. And the reference like there's no way that someone who hasn't read the Silmarillion ten times could understand what they were talking about in the, the Lord of the Rings part, because it's not Lord of the Rings, ah. it's Silmarillion. They fight at one point they get wiped out by by Karcharoth. Karcharoth was That's the werewolf, the right? Wo- the wolf, yeah, mm-hmm. protects the entrance to Morgoth's uh, form, fortress Angband. That's a deep, deep, deep. That is deep, that is super deep. fucking deep. Yeah. 
<laughs> I'm impressed that I knew that off the top of my head. Do they have to cut the Silmaril out of his belly? Is that the... No, they don't cut the Silmaril. You know Christopher Tolkien network before you know they never approved that. So they must be like going, getting around some loophole by sort of inventing. Um, the commentary is, is fucked up because the commentary advocates that uploading a digital consciousness is completely fine. So I'll, cut, I'll jump to the end. So you remember that at the beginning, uh, Samantha, uh, Artemis, who's the girl of the, of the four, mm-hmm. of the low five, um, leaves because she doesn't want them to release that technology with, with full sensory feedback, right? Thank right. Gonna fuck she up doesn't want them to. We, like we need to, and, and she's mad at them for leaving the world with their spaceship because she's like, we need to use all our money to make the real world better. This is like right. post-apocalyptic. The world is completely fucked up. Yeah. Um, in the end, uh, they defeat the evil clone with a sword called the Dork Slayer. Um, mm-hmm. Never mind. And yeah, the and they realize that anybody who ever used that full sensory feedback technology, which is everybody in the world basically, has a fully aware, conscious clone inside the Oasis. Fully aware, full AI. Cool. So they think, and and they get a and they get a a, a wand, of course, because they get a magic fucking wand mm-hmm. that can resurrect anybody who died in the real world but had once used their technology could be resurrected fully in the in the oasis. So so but, Wade Percival just goes around resurrecting everybody. But I feel like that really hand waves divergent consciousness quite a bit. But I guess that's not a problem since we clearly don't care about facts. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. So, <sighs> what, what it sets up is that the most powerful corporation in the world, in this in this universe, like Amazon here, right. owns files mm-hmm. of everybody's brains. Yes, ever, ever. sure, yeah, and and everybody thinks this is a wonderful idea, including the one character who had conscience, including the one character who had conscience about like the way that you're dealing with. Uh, with the digital world. At the end, at the very end, they send off all the clones, they upload them to the spaceship that they've built, just the clones, including with, with clones of themselves, and they send them off into outer space. Mm-hmm. And it's said to be, it's, it's, it's written like this, you know, like this hope for humanity. But they're like, and then, at the, and, and the last twist is that the book is written by the AI clone of Percival. <laughs> That tracks. It's, it's it's written like it's a utopia, but you're like you are right, immortal you, clones <laughs> stuck on a spaceship traveling in one direction forever. Right. You've <laughs> clearly lost your minds. Yeah. There's no like. There's no. So did the clones all get bodies, or are they all on their uh, like in their yeah. own oasis upon they're the ship? They're in their own oasis. They're in their own. They're oasis just the so so. They're so just gonna private show up on some planet. Know. And just like, and not do anything because they're just fucking servers. Exactly, they're just they're fucking servers. data and servers. Yeah, right. They set a server farm out to Mars, like out to the fucking depths of space. Yeah. Exactly. But it, it, what it, the it, fuck? Like, you can hear like the swelling John Williams orchestra. Rock <laughs> with you. So the problem is that there are a lot of really cool concepts that, like, exactly. he butts up right against and I feel like any one of those or any like conglomeration of them would make for 
interesting, compelling sci-fi story. And it just, it's amazing that he boils it down to trillionaires just doing shitty things and painting them up as heroes. Exactly. The really funny thing is that it's not a comedy, it sounds like. Oh, not at all. Ultimately, I think it's it's his way. It's it's his way to wax poetic about all the things he is nostalgic for. Gotcha. And so he gets he gets to show the world how smart he is by being able to drop a Chargaroth reference and and say Angbad and <laughs> and let everyone know that when he thinks of James Spader, he doesn't think of uh, he's thinking of Ultron or right. He thinks of his, his turn in tough turf. Yeah, it's just it's autoerotic, exactly. sapiosexual, cerebrobation. It's but I, see, yes. I don't think it goes that far. Well, it's li- it's literally like it's it's a novel sized version of the member from South Park. You know those member mm-hmm. bugs they have. Yeah. Oh, without the, the member self, berries. Without the member berries. Thank you. Um, without the self awareness of South Park, it's just about cramming in everything you can. At no point well, is it's so convenient. Like one of the top four is is an expert on Prince. One of the top four of the low four is an expert on uh, the Silmarilla. It's it's all seems awfully convenient. Like it, but plot convenience to a, to a, without self awareness and. The, if you look at Rick and Morty, for example, that's a show that is made fun of plot convenience. Mm-hmm, Futurama. Right. There's a whole you know, episode about it. 20 years ago, sci-fi, good sci-fi that made fun of that. And he's not able to look beyond that. And it's so frustrating. The final mm. thing that I will address, the final thing that makes me think this was written for a movie, because clearly the print section is written for a movie, is constant references to sword art online. <laughs> this is about really? the 80s, right? It's, oh it's 1960s, 1970s, 1980s, and suddenly Sword Art Online comes. And again, this I saw mentioned in several reviews. Why the fuck are they talking about Sword Art Online, which is not even a super, like, it's not even like, it's not Naruto or One Piece, which you'd be like, okay, that would survive 50 years in the fandom. Sure. It's because Sword Art Online has this exact fucking plot. This is ripping off Sword Art Online knowingly and mm-hmm. tries to vaguely apologize for it by mentioning it all the time. That's hilarious. <laughs> it, I didn't think about that, but it is just fucking Sword Art Online. Oh, it is. <laughs> it's exactly the fucking same. The, the, the last quote I'm going to read, uh, let me find it. I didn't note it down, sorry. I've got to find it in the book. Is a quote where they reference... Um, apologies. No, no, and, and the the um, and this is what made me realize how how cynical this is, because it's not even about honoring the the original media. It's not about raising awareness. It's about just yeah, taking and taking and taking. Yeah, which is why when yeah. the guy when the guy when he writes the fan film, mixing up all his favorite movies, you're like, this is fan fiction. It's pathetic. And I, I get that at some level he's trying to say that it's pathetic, but that's exactly what he's doing in his own book. Right. So, yeah, at one point she goes, um, when, when they realized that, they, that they'd been trapped in the Oasis by the evil Anorak, 
one goes, it's true. I can't log out. I can't log out. And then the evil AI says, you guys should have listened to your friend Samantha. You've, got, you've seen both Sword Art Online and the Matrix films, and you still thought it was a good idea to hand over control of your brain to your computer? And that's when you get hit with Anorak just went sonic.exe on us. Uh, All your base have belonged to us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Thank you. When the guy appears on the screen, I thought this is an unintentional all your base have Has to be. Uh, my, thanks, for, thanks for saving me from reading it. I, please, do, please do, though. You think? I okay. I will. This. I will. Oh, here. Uh, let me throw this out there, listeners. Here's my challenge to you. If we get up to $75 a month on our Patreon, we will do a second podcast where we read this book and talk oh, about it. Yes. Oh. Yes, I like this very much. Consider it done. How, how, many, how much are you at now on your... 50. We're at $50 a month. And what are we trying to get to? 75 Beautiful. $25 a month, and we'll read a shitty a book yep. and record it for I, you guys. I will, I will pay $25 a month for three months just to get you there. You know what? <laughs> take you up on that. I'll take your money. I particularly, <laughs> I particularly enjoy this, uh, this uh, snippet from uh, Amit Katwala from Wired Magazine, who labeled the novel... A tedious slog through arcane pop culture references sprinkled in lazily, calling it something that's very similar to the first book, but much more grating in the second time around. <laughs> An AI could write a better book. <laughs> we, we gave 25 <laughs> We gave we gave an AI to Twitter and then gave that Twitter AI a keyboard and let and it write a book. Racist. Right. And now it's now it's putting out fascist propaganda, but somehow <laughs> but it's still better written than this book. Oh, oh my fucking you know what, god. You know what this book doesn't remind me of at all? Fascist propaganda? Castle dreams. Oh, oh. oh yeah, it does have it does have some <laughs> Castle Dream vibes. It's got a little bit of Castle Dream vibes. Yeah, maybe I'm... we can get maybe we could dial up HP Quaid and we could ask him how Castle Dreams is going. I think this. I think fun. so. So it's so let's different. so we should do the plugs and then dial see if HP Quaid's on the, if he's available. Yes. Yeah, that sounds good. Thanks, Chris, for joining us. Always pleasure a pleasure to have you. See you later. We love you. We miss you. Okay, does somebody have HP Quaid's number? Can we have we tried reaching out to him? Uh, I will dial it in the Discord. I've got his. Yeah. You got a, he has a beeper. He has like a pager, so we could probably send him a yeah. page. Did you guys know that Monkey Face Chris Wahlberg was in? Is it Chris Wahlberg? Monkey Face Wahlberg. Is he in Crash? Who? Mm-hmm. Is that his Chris. given name? Monkey Donnie? Face. Donnie, yeah, yeah that's the other new kid. Is Donnie Wahlberg, Donnie Monkey Face, is he in Crash? I don't know. You're so, you're so random tonight. I'm watching Crash. Donnie Monkey. Wait, <laughs> no, the, the, the best picture winning movie, Crash, starring uh, 
ludicrous. And what year? Paul. Other people. Yeah. And Ryan Philippi. H.B. Quaid, are you? I did you just pop on? Are you here? Oh yes, I'm here. I'm here. Fantastic. Oh, a boy. Now, they, can you? Can, I I need to ask you a question. I am I am writing the penultimate chapter of your uh, of your adventure. Um. Which Greek method? Sorry, which Greek mythological creature would you think is most commonly associated with anal leakage? Um, Greek mythological creature? Yes, Greek. Greek. Yes, Greek. Probably sleep near, mm. but that's that's Norse. That is Norse. But anything with eight legs normally <laughs> leaks out of its ass. Uh, yeah. Hippocampus. Hippocampus. Is that part of the brain? The hippocampus is a part of the brain. It's not a matter Ar- of Argos. Uh, what was Harry Hamlin writing? I, I, you see, what, the, what, what, what is happening right now? Pegasus. Uh, is that Joe, Joe that. has stolen the golden fleece, <laughs> and he's wearing the golden fleece as armor. What he doesn't realize is that when the, when the ram, the, the ram, the, the, the ram died, <laughs> it was suffering from major uh, sheep hemorrhoids and so there is anal leech coming out of the golden fleece and you're running down uh, Joe's back uh, so this is the scene I'm currently setting uh, is, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find the right words to, to, to describe it mm. I, I think you nailed it there that you see I mean, the, the, I, the I, thing I, is the thing is I was originally going to have uh, be of a of a of a female uh, sheep, and it would be it would have been menstruating at the time. Uh, obviously, I, I realized that that would have got the entire podcast cancelled. Uh, so I changed it to to anal leakage on on a Give male. Too much credit. Well, it also it also uh, plays into one of the deeper themes of the book, which is anal sex. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> right. right. No, you I see, think... I removed I removed any mention. You removed all the butt stuff. I, mm. I, I, no, I, it, it is not removed. It is layered in, layered, layered in, mm. like an onion, anal uh, layer, like an ogre. No, exactly like an onion. In fact, you have to peel the onion, anal uh, layering. Exactly, you have to peel <laughs> the onion of the, which of course the the problem is when, once we get into the uh, the uh, Nick Cordero uh, anal melanoma subplot, the the peeling happens naturally. Oh, oh no. <laughs> hey now. <laughs> Can you tell us about uh, I, I? You did send us some sample chapters, and there's the the, the chapter with uh, Professor Professor She Squatch She Squatch with uh, She Shells down by the Seashore. Did you, did uh, one question? Did you lick the page of pro, the, the pages about Professor She Squatch? Lick them. I did. You told us to in the footnotes. No, you actually but, had a lick here. Like arrow drawing, exactly, because you you understand that that you only see half the sentences, and then the other sentences are layered in again, uh, just through licking, and you have to identify which of your taste buds corresponds to each letter. Oh, those were letters. <laughs> That's not that. what I was expecting with the scratch and lick. I thought that. I, mean, <laughs> I thought I the thought three the letters were just LSD. I thought well, the snozberries yes. tasted like snozberries. Vowels, by the way, are always really bitter to me. Mm. LSD but... are the most common letters in Welsh. It's <laughs> a great culture. <laughs> now, this so you're 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 in the penultimate chapter, so I can I can only assume that you've set up the main villain for book two, the Necro Horse. <sighs> we have a problem with our beta readers about the Necro Horse. Really. 
Oh no! Yes. What, Get what some. They they Get all want to fuck. Readers. They all want to fuck the necro horse. Because it's a sexy Some of the early typical early beta, beta incel behavior. <laughs> this this is the problem. But no, I I did not make the necro horse sexy. I have I used a number of of words to describe him. Bulbous, uh, uh, orifice, uh, putrid. <laughs> yes, and of course uh, his his name, the name of the necro horse is is a super clunge, super clunge. Uh, the problem is that your fan base are entirely beta geek incels who will 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 sort of have I apologize I apologize jump on the back uh, of any villain and try and find a a, a way to to redeem them. Uh, we, I have, we do I, know I, our I, market. Yes. Uh, I have also hey. we are being we are being sued by the makers of Dr. Horrible's sing along blog who say that uh, uh, Super Clunge the Necro Horse is just a ripoff of Bad Horse, the mob boss. Oh from, fuck uh, those Dr. guys. Horrible. Yes, yes, yes. They would say that. Our, our lawyers are bigger than their lawyers. They so should go back and I, listen to I, the episode where we talked yeah. about it because you you don't have any lawyers. We have we who's have, the guy yeah. we've been paying all this time to get us out of parking tickets? Oh, that's our that. accountant. Oh, that's <laughs> we just assume they're the same. Uh, Jerry, our a tournament. Jerry, Jerry Quaid. <laughs> Your brother or, or just in law? No, 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 no. I, I have no brother. I do not know to what you are referring. Now, are you Welsh? I, I prefer to keep my uh, my origins. You, uh, I mean, we found you on uh, that Welshman.org. Welshman.org. Welshman Dingles. <laughs> Hotfrenchauthors.com. Uh, to start with, you found me on uh, it, it, the the website has a double L. It's Welshman, Welshman.org. Oh, I thought they made more of like a Y sound. Yes, well, that's our fault. Yes, with yeah. two uh, L's. But anyway, we, as, the the problem is, I need to know which of you. you know, there can only be one survivor at the end of the book, so. Which of you will survive the uh, the adventure? Oh, Joe, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, 100%. I was no, it's one hundred percent Joe. Definitely. All right. But you see, I, I I think that is a mistake because Joe is the only character that our beta readers have connected with, apart from uh, Super Clunge the Necro Horse. Uh, so I feel that killing him at the end of the book would would uh, have a more uh, satisfying would find a more satisfying arc. Mm. You're listen. You're do, the do author. what you must. Yeah. No, 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 no. You know what? You, you pepper me with questions. It is time for me to interview. If you could choose a fictional way to die, how would you die? Um, is, is the way we're dying fictional or is it a fictional way to die? Like I, <laughs> I choose to die by laser beam, origami, bananas, space cannon. Laser beam's not my answer. I just was thinking <laughs> a fictional way to die. I think I think origami and bananas I can work with. Space I, cannons out of the question. Yeah, yeah listen, <laughs> it's, listen, it's, a, it's it's a fantasy, not a sci-fi. Space when you shoot for the moon, you'll probably blow it up. Space <laughs> cannon. Space cannons have no have no place in Greek mythology. Only in Phoenician. Do not touch the Phoenicians. That's what I've always said. Yeah. I think origami. a catablepus is the animal that you're looking for, by the way, in the penultimate Sorry? chapter. A catablepus. It's a ugly, yeah. It's like, like an ugly buffalo that's so ugly that whenever it breathes on things, it dies. Like things die. The catablepus is a legendary creature from Ethiopia. You fuck. Mm, you're right. 
<laughs> way, to, way to give up. That's the basically Greece. That's Greece at one point. Yeah, it was Greece. Oh, yeah, well, it was yeah, Macedonia. Greece. Right. Yeah, Macedonia, whatever. <laughs> it was all pre America at some point. I what, think the what best decided, question. Erica. What wow. a sad indictment of American education. Wow. <laughs> the best question asked on this show in, in what is now eight seasons. And this is, I'm not. I'm not tonguing your asshole, Nick. But the best oh. question that's ever been asked is: Are we are we talking about fictional ways to die, or the <laughs> fictional way we want to die? That that was the most like that. Was, I've, I'm I'm friends with most of you in real life, and the most arrogant, self-involved, self-absorbed question I have ever heard. It's <laughs> funny. I mean, it is it is so far up his own ass. He managed to overcome his own melanoma. <laughs> Pure I'm... cum gutter. <laughs> what? Why? Who? <laughs> <laughs> because of the Rick and Morty re- reference. Yeah, it was it was oh. uh, as meta as the story trend. I listen. I just <laughs> starting starting the season off right with at least. With at least one reference to cum or jizz, mm-hmm. uh, spermicidal lube. We're just well, this, no. Well, hang on a second. The spermicidal lube you used it all up in chapter four. Oh, did we? It just ran yeah. out. How that didn't take long. Like <laughs> supply chain problems because of the pandemic, or right? Just overuse. No, it's when you were lubing up the apples. Lost from the garden the and the N95 is shortage to- is the is the deep cut of uh, lack of. Permacidal lube. Look, Robert, the whole the whole plot of the the whole plot of the book is that you all go back in time to ancient Greece, and you are able to take one item with you from the modern day, as long as it's not technological or a weapon. And uh, uh, Rob chose to bring spermicidal lube. That's true. Oh, all right, gotcha. How what else, did I? How, what, what how else do you think you? How else do you think you you greased your hands enough to climb Mount Olympus? Olive oil. <laughs> what did I bring? That would, Mm, that's Italy. I don't want to ruin uh, it for the readers, but I want to know what I brought. You brought a car door. <laughs> Arguably technology, but we'll settle that later. No, it, no, 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 no not, not connected to anything. Just a car door, uh, car because door. he heard that ancient Greece was very hot. And he- no, so he wanted to be able to roll down the window. Exactly. That's smart. Fuck that's man. smart. I would still say that rolling down a window is using technology, but I, I'm so, I'm I didn't no, realize. Guys, well, shut up! Shut up, all of you! Did I just get womp womp womp? Did I just get womp womp womp? I think you did. Fight him! In the in the history of this show, in the history of this show, I got womp womp. I blame Nick. That's it. That's it. No, that's, I, I, I will. I will not. I will not stand for this. Since yeah, since a lot of redirect here. HB, we'll Fine. check back in with you. Uh, I don't know couple weeks a month whatever Soon. whenever you finish book one we'll, we'll bring you back on and and uh i guess we'll move on to book two of course uh thanks for coming on on such short notice gentlemen this was horrifying as always have as a wonderful always. day we, we revel with, in your art and with your spirit somebody bring dolby back we forgot to ask him what he's geeking on this week i think, I'll call uh, him. think we lost him in the ether get him back on the on the water I didn't know that we'd gone back into ancient Greece in the story. I would have said uh, smothered to death by Plato. 
Mm, that's a good one. The philosopher um, or the children's toy? So the I am popular yes. wrestler. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm slightly confused by what I just heard. What is this book about? Well, it's it's it's, it's, a, it's about better a, off not asking. Well, yes, we we self inserted ourselves as characters into the book like Ben Shapiro does, okay. and uh, but with and less our, commas. Our character meets uh, up with a uh, with a girl who is uh, her parent. Mom's a mermaid, her dad's a centaur, but she got the human human parts of their genetic mix. But she's still technically a cryptid, so she goes to the cryptid high school uh, of butt sex. Yeah, it's like okay. a cryptid mutt of butt sex. And then, sure. H- then H.B. Quaid, yeah, Cliff notes it in the first book. We we go to uh, uh, we time travel to, to ancient Greece. Okay. I don't know, to, to steal the Technicolor dream coat, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, anyway, so that we can bring it back for finals. That sounds appropriate. And Rob, right. being the historian that being. he is, brought plenty of lube. <laughs> well, you know me in Greece. Right. Yeah. When in Greece. When in, right. when in Greece. We had to list, we had to list <laughs> the colors of, uh, of the dream coat, and we could have just memorized the song that Donny Osmond sings, but no, that's Monkey way too much. Donny Osmond? What? Yeah. Huh. And his chimp sister, Rip. <laughs> Rob, what are you geeking on this week, man? Oh, shit. Uh, well, I have a list of things, so I'm going to go through them all very quickly in, a, uh, in not a whole lot of depth. So, uh, firstly, Cyberpunk 2077. It's really dope. I also started reading Neuromancer because of it, which is good cyberpunk, and you should read it. You should also watch Tales from the Loop on Amazon because it's good cyberpunk and it'll make you cry and leave a hole in your soul. Also, Raised by Wolves on HBO Max. Really weird sci-fi, super fucking dope. Would recommend. Additionally, Star Wars, The High Republic. I just started Light of the Jedi probably a week ago or so. Um, probably 10 hours or so into the audiobook out of a 16 hour audiobook, hefty read, but it's very solid. I like a lot of the new stuff that they're doing with uh, the, the High Republic. Um, WandaVision. WandaVision is super fucking. You know, dope. we have a show next week, right? I do, but I've been geeking on all of this and I've been repressing this for the last <laughs> oh, three weeks, Nick. So I'm going to get this you, out of my system now. Otherwise, I'm going to blow up. Depressed. What do you think the carbonite was made out of, Nick? Right. All of my repressed geek tension. Uh, I additionally, was, I think it was the compressed spermicidal lube. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's compressed. Like like non Newtonian spermatidal well, lube. I had to I had to compress it so whenever I got back to Greece, I would be able to decompress it and have like more Heinz, of it. Heinz fifty eight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, additionally, uh, podcast behind the bastards. I've been listening to a lot of that, including their behind the insurrection um, mini series series that they've been doing here lately, which is stellar. Uh, along Fine. with Uprising, also very good. Is that your first foray into BTB? Uh, it's not, but it's I've I've really been hitting it hard over the course of December, January. You know, this eternal month that we live in. As a person uh, who's using, been using it to cope for over a year, I totally understand. Super cathartic. Uh, and the very last thing that I'm geeking on this week, and this might be the most important one. Um, so if I get a drum roll, please. Uh, hold on. No, I just have a rim shot. 
Nailed it. Thank you. Uh, hedge fund managers going broke. Yeah. Nick, what are you geeking on? Shit posters. Because of shit posters. Yeah. Shit stalkers. Potato underscore in my underscore ass. That's who fucking took down the fucking stock market. Potato in my ass. Oh, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little late to that. Slut Angel I'll, 22. Thick, thick Dad's Party. <laughs> which is somebody, which was a username that was quoted in an actual fucking article by an actual <laughs> fucking journalist. <laughs> On Forbes. <laughs> anyway, Nick, what are you going to be geeking on? Uh, wow. Follow Good that Lord. up. I, I can't. I will, uh, I will strike down your race by wolves. Um, <laughs> not that you're wrong, just that it's not right. And <laughs> I am, that show, I tried. God, that show's fucking dog shit. Uh, I love it. Which one? Raised by Raised Wolves. Raised by Wolves. Uh, but I am on uh, transitioning away from the previously mentioned Behind the Bastards because I was caught up. Uh, high endorsement there. And I'm on a audiobook for the first time in probably six months. Nice. Uh, I am just about done with book one of the Dresden Files. Oh, nice. oh. Uh, I on Audibles. Yeah, yeah. I somehow I didn't know I had like twenty-seven audible credits. Oh Jesus! That there. just means you've had Share audible, them. and it's just been uh, accruing for two years. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm going to do audiobooks. Uh, That's I awesome. Like it. I love that you've it's, just had audible for two years and uh, haven't well, used Lindsay, it. It's it's our it's our family account. Lindsay's got oh, stuff on there, but okay, I, okay. I've been more like pretty solid all podcast and 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 nonfiction for you know a while so anywho upon recommendation i i like it um it's a twinge more dated than i would have thought not having any idea what i was getting into uh but the the premise is cool the uh narrator whose name escapes me uh does Marsters. a does a does a nice job uh, keeping it, keeping the pace. So, would recommend. I'll probably move on and give book two a try. Nice. And then on the television side, not not much. I'm st- I'm still on on a pretty high letter Kenny kick, and uh, that's where I'm at. Standing. Yeah, it's it's so good. I'm watching a lot of it again before I try and watch anything else. That's, is my, really good. that's my hour and hour to three hours a day of driving is the audiobook and my 32 minutes of TV. It's plus all the obvious uh, news coverage over the last two months. Ryan? Um, what are you geeking on? Just, just recently, I've been geeking on a show I found on Netflix called I'm Sorry. And it's, uh, it's Andrea Savage is the main character. And she, uh, um, she wrote it. She performs in it. And her best friend is our guy, uh, uh, Jason Matsuzakis. Nice. Um, pure, pure chaos energy, as Joe, as Joe mm-hmm. mentioned it. Now, this it show is, is uh, yeah. they're like 30 minutes long, and they are 
fucking hilarious and they are um they are so fucking awkward and it the the uh awkward is not the right word it's such it's so embarrassing that at times you can't watch yeah i don't think i can watch it then you, you, I think your anxiety might be too high, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> like at one point they find out this husband and wife were the main characters find out that they're one of the moms um, in their uh, in the school that their kid goes to. So one of the other kids moms was a uh, she's a former uh, four time best anal scene AVN award winner. Um, and she was known, she was known for taking, uh, up to four dicks in her ass at once. And they find this out and then have to go to much. like a parent's mixer and they can't stop staring at her. And they want to talk about the fact that she like, they think they're like, they're cool with it, but it's like, oh my God, I can't believe that she's had four dicks in her ass. <laughs> Is it genuinely impressive? They're focused on the wrong thing. How did those guys pull that off? <laughs> well, this seems physically crazy. impossible. No, you got to make like a like a Hebrew star. I yeah, think. it's got it's, it's like, like a, a like a four leaf clover. Of, if you're good of, at square spent, dancing, I've spent a good number of hours looking for that <laughs> been achieved. In in the second episode, <laughs> they set they set Jason Ratzakis up with the teacher, and that's cool because they're she's single and they think you get along and they, he ends up going to this poker game and he's talking about how great of a time he had with her and how he's getting, there's a second date and everybody's like, Oh, that's, that's awesome. And he's like, yeah, we went out for food and then we, we, we took a walk around the park and we held hands and we laughed and she's like a genuine woman and she's, she's funny. And then we went back to her place and she made me put ice cubes in her ass and then drink the water out. And, (laughs) and it's, and then they have to go, to a parent teacher conference and look at their daughter's preschool teacher who likes to put ass ice ass cubes as they call them. <laughs> and it's just it's so fucking funny. I think I've seen that clip. Oh, it's so that fucking is funny. Fucking um, incredible. But since wow. since uh, October harvest, um, our mutual friend LK Laura Khan, she made me read the Dresden Files. I had never read it. And I am three hours into uh, Battleground, which is the the last and latest book that. How many are there? Uh, I think this is book seventeen. What? Yeah. Um, You've gone through seventeen of them. Yeah, I've, I've read seven. I've read through the series since the end of October. And Nick, I'm I'm very I'm very happy that you're reading. I've been trying to push Joe into reading them. Um, I do. I want to say that the first oh, Joe jizz on it. The first sure. two books are there's a lot of world building happening that you might not understand is happening, and they are kind of formulaic and slow. After book two, man, this thing snowballs downhill to the point where you, you have to pick up the next book because you have to know what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I, that, that's where it lost me. I, I've never made it far. I've really struggled. Really? Yeah. I, I've tried uh, like three times. I can't get past them. I absolutely love it. Now, I haven't read them. I've, I've only listened to them on Audible. 
So, I mean, I drive for a living. I drive seven hours a day. So a 15-hour audiobook doesn't frighten me. I, I'm, I listen to it in three days. Um, guys, I got to tell you, it's one of, it's, it's, I posted on Facebook today, you can keep your Frodo. You can keep your Harry Potter. I don't fucking need them. I've got Waldo Butters, and I'm <laughs> totally cool with that. And Nick, you haven't met Waldo Butters yet. I have not. Although, according to uh, Wiki, or some wiki I found, he looks like Harry Potter. He looks like J.J. Abrams. <laughs> yes. Who is also who I had initially cast as Harry Potter back in the day. And Joe, stop looking at the wiki. No, I just wanted to know who Waldo Butter was, Butters was. Well, I, I made the mistake early on of going to the wiki after reading, like I would read a book and then go to the wiki. And they have, uh, they've got no qualms when it comes to like just completely giving up a major plot line. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, you, don't, like you, go, to, you go to wikis to, to gain knowledge. It's, it's forbidden knowledge oftentimes, but you're going there with the intent yes. to gain knowledge. Totally. So anyway, uh, Dresden Files and the show, I'm sorry, on Netflix, I cannot recommend more. Um, Dolby, what are, you, what are you geeking on, man? Well, I have gone back to history, which will be to the surprise of no one. Um, you know on, the, on uh, YouTube that everybody's raving about? What is it? So the, the number one watch on, on YouTube runner is called Lupin. It's a French show about uh, Arsène Lupin, or Lupin in English, which is about the gentleman thief. Uh, you know, the, the thief with morals, the thief who steals from the rich to give to the poor. And However, that's not based on... French Robin Hood. It's, well, it's based on a, on, a, on a French book from the early 20th century uh, called Arsène Lupin, Arsène Lupin, who's the, the, the famous French gentleman thief. However, oh. I, when I was watching that, I was like, but hang on a second. The first gentleman thief was written in England, uh, and it's A.J. Raffles, Arthur J. Raffles. And the, that, I'm, wow. I'm geeking on that series of books, the Raffles books, which are absolutely amazing. And I cannot recommend them enough. They came out around the same time as Sherlock Holmes. Uh, they were not written by Conan Doyle, but they were at the same level of fame as, as Sherlock Holmes in the late 19th century, early 20th century London. Um, and it's, you know, it's the, this, this gentleman, he's a cricketer, who at night is, a, is a, a gentleman thief. And they are, it's just eight short stories in the first book. The first book is called The Amateur Cracksman, and they are orgasmically good. Uh, like it's it, it it's the root of so much of that trope of the gentleman thief, but it's done so well, and it's where the it's where the trope starts basically. Um, and I really cannot um, cannot recommend it enough. I heard it's really fun. Yes, yeah. he's ba- he's based on Oscar Wilde. Basically, Raffles is like a thief version of oh. Oscar Wilde. Fantastic! That's a great person to base any character off of. Yeah. Um. This is this is fascinating. So I was I'm tangentially familiar with this story, but I didn't realize. Uh, so there is a popular manga and anime that came out probably in the like 80s, 90s, and maybe early aughts. Um, and that that's probably being generous for its runtime. Um, an older anime that came out that was called Loop in the Third who was about a gentleman thief in France. And I didn't realize until a quick Google right now that the character Lupin the third is actually the grandson of Arsene Lupin. Exactly. That's Uh, fascinating. What makes a thief a gentleman? Incidentally, incidentally, uh, Lupin the third movie, The Castle of Cagliostro, is the first movie that Hayao Miyazaki 
I didn't know that. That's fucking dope. Yeah. I, I love the Castle of Cagliostro. It's one of my favorite anime movies. Uh, I haven't really watched the manga, like the episodic manga. Of- mm-hmm. Amazing. And it was the first, yeah, first film of Miyazaki. Huh. Very dope. Very dope. Very, very dope. I didn't know that. Uh, uh, Nick did ask a great question, though. What exactly makes a gentleman thief? Well, so in uh, in uh, in the Raffle series, it is literally he, gentleman, upper class, uh, no. he's a nobleman, and he and so at the time in in Victorian London, you had this very repressed London society. So you have the emergence of all oh. these really violent pulp uh, villains, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know the, you have the gothic horror, you have Hammer horror coming out, um, and so I think uh, E. W. Horning, who's the, who's the, the writer, um, wrote these short stories as sort of like, okay, he's an antihero, he's a thief, but he never steals from from, from his hosts. He helps his friends. He has a moral code, um, and so that's it. You know, the gentleman thief steals from those who deserve to be stolen from. He doesn't abuse his uh, his you know he doesn't engage in violence he still maintains a code of honor code of conduct very and and if you love sherlock holmes which i'm a huge uh, sherlock holmes fan there's a lot of uh, not crossovers but there's a lot of that's delightful i like that a lot let's check that out will my wife like it i've never met your wife Fair. She yeah. likes you, so her test her taste is questionable. Ah, so is her like of me. So and <laughs> <laughs> her taste in movies. Uh, uh, Joe, well, have you gone yet? I can't. Remember. I haven't. Thank you for asking. Uh, I'm geeking on. I would say two and a half things. The one and a half would be uh, I'm excited to be back to podcasting. Yeah, um, we uh, Travis T and I also started uh, uh, this freaking show up this week. Nice. So, uh, we we recorded that last night, and then uh, it's going to be posting tomorrow morning. As of we're our recording, it'll be tomorrow morning at five a.m. So uh, Thursday. So it'll be two days ago by the time you listen to this, listeners. Um, and it was a really good time. We had a great time. Uh, Recording yesterday, and then uh, I'm excited to be back at Geekcast Live. This is always uh, a high point in my week. Um, so that's definitely the uh, the weightier side of uh, things I'm geeking on this week. And then uh, the other thing is uh, I started a new day job, and uh, really, really enjoying it so far. Nice. What's the new day job? Yeah, I'm a I'm a, uh, a staff support technician at uh, the hospital my wife works at. So I basically, uh, I just do whatever they need done. Uh, Like uh, most of my job so far has been cleaning rooms, making beds and, and walking patients to their cars. But uh, it just, it helps alleviate some of the menial stuff that they can focus on patient care. And uh, I've I've really, really enjoyed it so far far um and i can tell how burned out everyone in the entire hospital system is so i feel like it's felt more pride in my work um and that's even even as a person who's a pastor in my other job it's very nice if you want to support us in other ways perhaps uh with some was bucks 
or something. Uh, you could Crypto's. do so over at patreon.com slash geekcast live or uh, with a fraction of a Bitcoin, you can purchase for your very self a T-shirt over at gcl.threadless.com. gcl.threadless.com. It'll only cost you one Bitcoin. Yep. Which is called an ounce. An ounce. <laughs> ounce, ounce, ounce. <laughs> Bye-bye now. Hey there, everybody. Nico here from the GeekCast Live podcast. We, as always, want to take a minute to give a tremendous thanks, a sincere thanks, and shout out to all of our patrons, uh, sponsors, and supporters. Without you guys, this train wreck couldn't happen so uh thank you especially the one and only mama bear the one and only poly nerds brandon rust old pistol pete decilio stewie from queens jesse g letourneau lada bartova danger johnson darnell savage dave the fish christian ramos davos seaworth Big time Timmy Jim, Rob from Boston, uh, Alicia McGuire, the old K-Man, and uh, Six Finger Emily. You guys absolutely rock.